Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Renegade Blitz, the best podcast for Steelers fans by Steelers fans. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, at rblitzpod, and at blitzvideos. Read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. And welcome back to the Renegade Blitz podcast. I'm Ty Pope with Brandon Walker and Chris Ward. Here to talk Steelers versus Bengals this Sunday. And we're glad to have on Charlie Goldsmith. He covers the Bengals and the Reds for the Cincinnati Inquirer. Charlie, welcome back to the show. We enjoyed you the first time on. And it's an even bigger game this time around. I appreciate you guys having me on again. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, everything's big now in the AFC. It's wide open, and every team in the AFC North has a winning record. So with so many teams in the playoff picture right now, you'd have to say this game is pretty pivotal, isn't it, Charlie? It's pivotal because, again, of the cluster you mentioned in the AFC North and the AFC in particular. But this is the kind of matchup as well where there always seems to be something more intangible on the line. Uh, The Bengals and the Steelers, especially in Cincinnati, the Steelers are often a franchise the Bengals are closely compared to. And as the Bengals, you know, internally, they're trying to prove where they stack in the AFC as they're coming off two bad seasons, now emerging in year three with Zach Taylor and year two with Joe Burrow. They feel like they they have an opportunity to show the signs of their growth. And again, the Steelers are so often the measuring stick in Cincinnati that this is an opportunity for that core to show where they stand. And the Bengals are looking to sweep the Steelers, which hasn't happened since the 2009 season. And Cincinnati hasn't beat the Steelers three straight times since 1990. What is the feeling about this Bengals team now at six and four? And well, what has changed with them since the last time we saw them in week three. Obviously, with the uh, Mike White situation, it kind of got a little dicey for a little bit, but it seems that everything is somewhat back to the high thoughts after that week three victory. Yeah, it's a confident team that's doing a lot very well. The one negative trend that's emerged, or the two negative trends that briefly emerged were turnovers and missed tackles. Uh, those two were, were really the focus over the bye week heading into last week's game against the Raiders where the Bengals looked really good, kind of except for the downfield explosive passing game, which has been the strength all season. And I would say the biggest difference overall is that the offense has found the identity. Uh, they're, they're really, especially Burrow, really learning how to tailor the game plan to the style of the defense they're facing. For example, against the Steelers' defense, it's probably going to be run and play action, setting up the deep ball like they did the first time around. Against the Raiders, who play a very different style of defense, it was run and quick game exclusively. Um, they're Again, they're playing a lot of different styles. There are Tyler Boyd games, Jamar Chase games, D. Higgins games. Everyone has had their moment to shine. Joe Mixon has had his moment to shine. And they kind of figured out when it's whose turn and how to best weaponize the tools they have on offense. And Charlie, uh, Joe Burrows completing 68.3% of his passes. It has a solid uh, passer rating of 101.6. Uh, 
Uh, Burrow's 21 touchdown uh, downs this year put him in a uh, tie for fifth in the NFL. But he's also thrown 11 interceptions, which is tied for the second most uh, in the league. Uh, his numbers also have gone down in recent weeks. Uh, but what, what it was, was kind of like a, of a game. You know, they relied heavily heavily on Mixon last week. But uh, what has been going on with Burrow uh, as of late? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go with the last three games. Uh, the Jets game, Burrow played great. The Bengals scored 31 points and one kind of freak wild play from a Jets defensive end in the fourth quarter led to an interception that kind of ruined the game uh, for the Bengals. Against the Browns, that was a game where the wide receivers let Burrow down more. Everyone's allowed to have a bad game. That was the game where Chase and Higgins dropped potential explosive plays and where the receiver's timing and route efficiency wasn't at the level it had been all season. And then against the Raiders, while it wasn't Burrow's best game, he wasn't in the best position to be successful because the Raiders' style of defense is a long story, but... The Raiders' style of defense is what's best fit to stop the Bengals' offense. They have such good edge rushers, and they drop back seven, and that's kind of been how you beat the Bengals' pass offense. Uh, so the Bengals' response was, you know, Burrow, Carrillo, passing yards. They ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, won the game. Uh, Burrow overall has taken his ne- next step with his arm strength, with his deep ball passing, with his velocity, even on quick slants over the middle into tighter windows. The interceptions... It's a high number, but half of them haven't been Burrow's fault. Half of them have come off tip balls or freak plays or bouncing off someone's helmet or where he had to, where he was hit as he threw, stuff like that. So the interceptions haven't been a huge concern for me because of the story behind each interception. Overall, Burrow's having a great year. I have him as the 10th best quarterback in the NFL right now. And he's earned. Brandon, you all good? I'm good. No, I didn't know. I didn't know if he was done. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we talked about Chase numbers. You allude to the receivers. How do you think they uh, match up with the Steelers secondary? And how do you think you think Joe Burrow, hey, Joe Mixon, the running back, is going to have a big day? Because Steelers rank 26 to run defense, allowing 126 yards per day game. So, how do you think the uh, skill, the Bengals skill position core as a whole, is going to match up? And well, produce like they did last time against Pittsburgh? Well, it's going to really depend on how Pittsburgh plays them. Um, from what I understand and from what I saw in the last matchup in Pittsburgh, what the Bengals did, that was the game where Burrow had a career low in passing attempts. They used the run to then set up Chase deep ball, specifically that one down the sideline when they had single coverage on the left side of the field. Like That's going to be the opportunities they look for. I see, I see a big day for Mixon and uh, focus on Chase as well. Um, but if Pittsburgh switches to a lot more zone defense targeted toward Chase's side of the field, which basically every team has done since Chase really broke out against the Ravens, then the Bengals' response to that has either been setting up a deep ball for T. Higgins or spreading wider and isolating Tyler Boyd against the linebacker in the middle of the field. So which receiver will be the biggest role will depend on how much the Steelers shade coverage towards Chase. Mike, uh, Mike Tomlin kind of alluded to that they would do that on Monday. And so then if it is a different game plan, that would most likely opportunity open opportunities for Tyler Boyd, who historically has played pretty well against the Steelers. And you talked a lot about Mixon, his big performance in the last game. And it's really kind of been a story with the Steelers the last two weeks. The run defense is not up to its quality that you typically think of whenever you hear the name Pittsburgh Steelers. They've ranked 26 in run defense, allowing 126.6 yards per game. They are also tied 
for last in, NF- in the NFL in yards allowed per attempt, surrendering 4.8 yards per carry. I know that the Steelers' defense, especially last week, it was hampered by injuries and the return of T.J. Watt potentially, Minka Fitzpatrick's off the COVID list. So do you think that Mixon still will have this, continue this pace he's been on? I think that the Bengals are going to try. Um, it, it's been a real significant shift this season with how much 12 and 13 personnel they're running. A lot more two and three tight end sets. You saw it a ton against the Raiders. Um, a, a lot of that is because the Bengals have more confidence in their ability to run the ball. Their guards are playing at a higher level and their center as well, getting out in space and making blocks in space to set up running lanes down the field. Mixon had a few 20-yard runs against the Raiders, and it was because of, like now they have the playmakers on the offensive line to help set up those opportunities. So, yes, I, I think they're going to try the run. I think they're going to look for those same opportunities because Mixon has shown when the offensive linemen are there and are playing at a higher level. Mixon's a bowling ball who's going to fight for extra yards, receive extra yards, make quick cuts, and, and score. And, and on the offensive line from left to right, the Bengals have J- Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, Akeem Adenaje. Uh, and Riley Reef. Uh, how have they been doing this season when it comes to pr- protecting Burrow? And uh, how do they match up with the Steelers' pr- pass rush, who has two all pros and TJ Watt, who who should play, and um, Cameron Hayward? Yeah, they have been playing great, uh, but there are two sides to this. On the one hand, like they they haven't they, they've struggled when teams rush four against five, which is weird, but it's a sign that they're bad in one on one matchups. Um, the Bengals lost the game against the Jets because of that one freak play interception I mentioned where the left tackle got beat. Um, then on the following drive, when the Bengals had the chance to tie the game, Burrow took a sack. Then on, against the Browns on two crucial plays that kind of set up the blowout, it was because of the pass rush they allowed. And then against the Raiders in the first quarter when the Bengals tried to be a drop-back passing team, Crosby and Gawkway on the first three third downs just destroyed the play. The Bengals couldn't block them. So then what the Bengals did was they switched to a quick game and a wrong game approach, and they kind of mitigated that. The other side of it, though, is Burrow's great against the blitz because if you send a ton of guys, the Bengals' wide receivers are good enough that they'll win the matchups quickly enough to take advantage of that in a quick game. So it's the kind of thing where the offensive line's not playing well when you go one-on-one at them. When you blitz them, the skilled position players are good enough to overcome them. So the Bengals are kind of making up for a weak offensive line as much as they can against certain styles of defenses. All right, let's switch to the defensive side of the ball, uh, Charlie. Um, they've invested a, quite a bit of money on the defensive line. Trey Henderson has paid off nine and a half sacks playing at a Pro Bowl, All-Pro level. And you got Sam Hubbard on the other side with six sacks. And on the t- inside, you got DJ Reader and Larry Ajunobi who's been productive and solid as the two defensive tackles. Steelers' offensive line has been inconsistent all year long, especially during the last few weeks, kind of regress. And on paper, it looked like the Bengals seem to have an advantage over the uh, Steelers there. Do you think this will be the key to the game? Yeah, I think the, the first game where the Bengals played the Steelers, that was a real breakout game for Trey Hendrickson. That was uh, you know, some of his first wow moments on what he could do in the Bengals' defense happened in Pittsburgh because Hendrickson's the kind of guy who will win one-on-one matchups consistently when he has that advantage. And and then on top of that, I think this could very well be a game where the Bengals have a more blitz-heavy approach using guys like Mike Hilton, who you know very well, coming out of the slot and pressuring the quarterback. Uh, Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator, part of his like principal identity 
is that he'll send blitz, blitzes from unconventional places, slot corner safety. And the Steelers are the kind of matchup and the kind of offense the Bengals will do that against. So, uh, well, I think the defensive line will win one-on-one to set up pressure on Roethlisberger. I think that the entire defense will be doing the same. And that's kind of who the Bengals' defense, and that's who their identity has been this season. And let's talk about the linebackers, specifically Logan Wilson, who had two interceptions in that week three contest against the Steelers. And on the season, he has a team high four interceptions. Uh, if you guys remember that Broncos game, Alexander Johnson dropped two crucial passes that would have been picked that changed the tenor of that win streak the Steelers went on. Uh, how important has Wilson at linebacker been to the Bengals defense and how the other linebackers have been doing. Yep. He, uh, Wilson's kind of been the, uh, like the measuring stick almost. When Wilson plays well, they win. And then in the Browns loss and in the Jets loss, Wilson was kind of the, the common trend where uh, against the Jets, he was too far back in coverage, gave so much space for running backs and tight ends to get open uh, against the Browns, missed some tackles as well. But I mean, you saw what Wilson can do in pass coverage, why the Bengals drafted him and why they believe in him. And he plays almost every snap um, because they have as much, that much confidence in him. The other linebacker spot's been interesting. Uh, Jermaine, so they have like a rotation. Uh, Jermaine Proud on running downs. And he's solid. He reads offenses really well and is stout in the run game and can cover sideline to sideline in the run game. They've taken him out in passing situations. But the guy they took him out for, Keem Davis-Gaither, he's out for the year. So now it's been more snaps for a couple more snaps for Pratt. Uh, they have a guy, Marcus Bailey, a former seventh-round pick who hasn't really played, who's in that rotation. But really against the Raiders, they went to a three-safety front on third downs. That's been their big adjustment recently. Sometimes you're only playing one linebacker. It's Wilson and three safeties in the middle of the field. Uh, so they're adjusting because linebacker is not the strength, the, the biggest investments they've made in the team, especially now with that Davis-Gaither injury. But Wilson is where it all starts. Yeah, and in that last uh, Steelers-Bengals meeting, week three, uh, Deontay Johnson, who's really been the best receiver for the Steelers this year, um, he didn't play in that game. So how do you think the, the Bengals secondary will do in defending Johnson and uh, will a cornerback match up with them or do they just play uh, their sides and stuff? Johnson plays the slot, correct? I'm trying to um, – Primarily Primarily on the outside. All right, so if he's on the outside, then uh, what they've done most often is Chidobi Uje will follow people on the outside. Um, he has honestly been one of the biggest surprises in the Bengals or in the entire Bengals roster this year. He's a, pr- he's a true number one quarterback played great against Devonta Adams. He's played great against a number of number one receivers in the NFL and, um, against an explosive playmaker like Johnson, my guess is he'll get that matchup. He has like, this is my NFL draft talk. He has great hips. He has great foot quickness and he's able to both track receivers like Johnson and be physical at the top of routes to prevent those explosive plays as well. He's done a lot this season. Teams don't take a lot of shots at him. They do take more shots at the Bengals' number two cornerback, Eli Apple. Like aside from Wilson, he's also been that. If he's playing well, the Bengals do well. If he doesn't, the Bengals have a weakness at corner. It wouldn't surprise me if he's someone the Steelers go at more. If Roethlisberger looks to be more of an outside passer in this game, which he didn't in the first game against the Bengals. That was more in the numbers and then outside to Najee Harris. Um, so if Roethlisberger is looking more outside the numbers in this matchup, Apple would probably be the guy he targets. And, and how has Mike Hilton done um, since we last saw him against the Steelers in week three? How has he been doing of late? 
He's had a really interesting season. So there, there's a role for him. That role over a couple of weeks stretch went up and down. You know, he still doesn't have a sack this season. It's kind of dependent on the matchup if he plays or not. For example, when the Bengals played the Ravens, the Bengals like use a unique three linebacker scheme for them, a unique for them scheme where they put in an extra linebacker. And so Mike Hilton only played like 30% of the snaps against the Ravens. And against the Jets, uh, Hilton played a ton. But against the Browns, when the Bengals went with five down defensive linemen, they went all out to stop the run. Hilton, again, his role was cut short. But the response was what he did against the Raiders. The Raiders have one of the best slot receivers in football, Hunter Renfro. Hilton played almost every snap, uh, made some really nice tackles on like some of the short plays the Raiders tried to create behind the line of scrimmage, you know what I mean, where he cuts through, like knifes through the defense like a point guard and gets that stop. Uh, and then he tracked Renfro and basically kept him quiet for the entire game. Uh, so that was a huge step forward for Holt, and they have a ton of confidence in him. His football IQ, his ability to be quick in the slot, both in the run game and the pass game, is something they love. And the Raiders was a huge game for showing what he can do. All right, who do you think is going to have a big game for the Bengals, and what is your biggest concern for Sunday? All right, for the Bengals, who do I think will have a big game? Uh, I think Trey Hendrickson is very well set up for this matchup. It's this kind of game where he's able to get isolated on the edge um, that, that he really feasts on. And uh, I see looking what he did against Pittsburgh last time, looking how he's basically getting a sack a game right now. Uh, I think this is the ideal matchup for him as the Bengals start edge rusher. And then who are most concerned about that's Najee Harris. He's been the most uh, frequently mentioned name by Bengals defensive players this week in the lead up to the game. Um, he, he's even more effective as a physical runner and as a playmaker than he was when he was just three games into his career when the Bengals saw him. The Steelers have figured out some new ways to use him. He, he has shown more on tape. And the Bengals are more concerned about him um, because, you know, he his combination of ball skills, of athleticism, of explosiveness, power, that's tough. And you don't see that too much across the NFL. And, um, uh, again, his name has been mentioned a ton this week. So what is your prediction for the game? Uh, just wondering. Yeah, I picked the Bengals to win 24 to 14. Um, personally, I'm concerned about the explosiveness of the Steelers offense. And I think like, I think a pass rush like the Bengals can set its own early like it did last, last game uh, against them. And I think, as you mentioned, the willingness from the Bengals to use the run to help ice a win has been a reliable formula for them that they really believe in and can count on. And I think those two things will set up a Bengals win and give them a lot of momentum in the AFC. Yeah, and, and Charlie, you know, there's seven games left and, uh, you know, everything in the AFC is really tight right now. So how crucial do you think this game is for the Bengals to, um, you know, eventually make the playoffs? I mean, you can't understate it. Zach Taylor jokes. He's like, every game feels like the most important game of the year. There is something to that because, again, this is a team that won six games over the previous two seasons. So, you know, leading up, they're getting a chance to be in it in week four, getting a chance to be in it in week five, six, and now it's week 12, and they have a chance to be in it in week 13. Like Every week is uncharted territory. For Taylor as a head coach, for Burrow, for basically the entire roster, which has literally been entirely remade over the last three seasons, they, they've never gone through this fight together. And each step of the way is a huge milestone as they try to get closer to the playoffs. Yeah, and the last time the – Bengals made the playoffs. It was that electric wild card game between the Steelers and the Bengals. Just talk about that 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 just like bad taste in your mouth for that entire game because it was almost considered at one point it was a yeah it's over 
the Bengals, the Bengals are winning this one. And then it just came from uh, snatching a defeat from the jaws of victory in a way. I mean, that game really was the beginning of an end for an era, the Marvin Lewis era. Um, I can't say the Andy Dalton era because he didn't play that game, but in a way it was what that represented. It was the end of, man, the Bengals really can't get over that hurdle and win a playoff game. It was the start of considering do the Bengals need to make some sweeping changes because even though they've made five straight playoffs, this formula isn't working. They gave it up. They blew it. They blew that game. And again, I think that game was the beginning of the end of an era. Now I believe CJ Uzama, the tight end, but he wasn't even a starter. And then the long snapper and the punter, I believe those are the only players left on the entire roster who played in that game. It's been a complete reset, a complete culture change, a complete, completely new building. I don't even think many assistant coaches, aside from special teams coordinator Darren Simmons, were on the staff for that game either. So literally everything about the coaching staff and the roster has basically changed since then. That game was a pivot point in the Bengals organization. Again, that's kind of what the Steelers represent from that for them. They couldn't get over that hump. They kind of started reevaluating everything, and that kind of set up the huge change to then Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow and this iteration of the Bengals franchise. I want to talk about that for a second, Zach, uh, Charles. Keep calling him Zach. Uh, Charles, how do you think the potential is with Joe Burrow? I think he could be a, a great NFL quarterback. Has all, do you think Zach Taylor could get him there? I do. Um, and, and I think that – and the reason I say that is because – Burrow significantly believes that he he looks at, at a coaching or he looks at an organization that surrounded him with a head coach and offensive coordinator and a quarterback who were former quarterbacks. It's a quarterback oriented franchise right now. And I really like what they're doing from a play calling perspective and an offensive versatility perspective and their overall philosophy, like kind of weirdly aligns with Burrow's strengths in a perfect way. It's funny how it worked out like that. The first round number one pick they got uh, aligns perfectly his style with the coaching staff's philosophy. Um, the growth Burrow's making, like he's making throws he just couldn't make last season. And the Bengals are now changing their scheme to reflect that. Um, they're, they're growing together at a very quick rate and they're helping each other grow. And it's gone a long way. All right. How do you think that, all right, they're six and four. I know we talked about it. It's not a follow up question. But do you think that they're ready this year? Ready to do what? I think they'll make the playoffs in a 17 playoff. Uh, I think that with their home schedule and with Burrow being able to carry them with receivers and a running back, they can rely on down the stretch. will get them there. I don't know that they're Super Bowl contenders right now. Um, I think that takes more time and they have more weaknesses they need to address. But even for the Bengals, a team that, remember, won six games over the last two seasons and had won one road game over the last two seasons. Even if they make the playoffs, that'll be a, a huge accomplishment for a coaching staff that had that, that was on the hot seat this season, that had everything to lose. If, if they even made it there, that would be a big deal. Okay. And, and Charlie, how, how's that, um, you know, a little bit more on that Burrow Chase connection? Because, man, early in the season, they were hitting on a lot of deep balls. And uh, lately, they haven't been getting, you know, as the explosive plays. But um, Chase did have a touchdown in the last game. But how, how's that connection been going? Uh, you know, both from LSU, obviously, you know, in college and everything. Yep. So, so Tomlin noted this. He gave it a lot of attention that Chase hasn't had the same deep ball moment in the last couple of weeks. But I, I disagree with that. The coaching staff disagrees with that as well. So, all right, let, let's go through it really, really quick. The Ravens game, Chase has like 201 yards, roasts Marlon Humphrey. He's a star. 
Next game against the Jets. The Jets sell out their entire coverage, excuse me, on stopping Jamar Chase. The result is T. Higgins has a huge game. That game was set up by Chase. That's a win for Jamar. Again, it was a very productive game for the offense. They scored 31 points, even though the Bengals lost. Next game against the Browns. All right, that game, Chase has a bad game. He, he left two opportunities for explosive plays on the table. One on a drop, one where he didn't finish her out on a deep ball to Burrow. But the opportunities for the deep ball were there. Chase just left them on the table, and he had a bad game, which, which happened. And then last week was a similar story. There were two opportunities for Chase to get a deep ball. One Burrow just missed the throw. The second, the timing on the route just wasn't right there. Um, but again, there were still two opportunities. So just because they missed like their last four chances doesn't mean it's broken. Doesn't mean the league's figured out Chase. Because they're still having those opportunities. They're just not connecting on them. They're not 100% hit rate plays. And they're still planning on calling for those moments for Chase time after time after time. Yeah, and the Steelers secondary, they've been prone to give up a lot of uh, big passing plays this year. Uh, you know, last game they gave up a 53-yard uh, game winner uh, touchdown Mike Williams. But, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, that Burrow-Chase connection, the deep ball and everything, and – uh, I w- I'm worried about the Steelers' offense line uh, against that Bengals' uh, defensive front uh, this week. Th- those two things are my my biggest concern, and that's what the bang- that's the way the Bengals want it. Uh, I mean, they look at how they built themselves. They, their biggest investments are quarterback, number one overall pick, wide receiver, number five overall pick, first pick in the second round in T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, a guy who's one of the 25 highest paid receivers in football. And then on the defensive line, <clears throat> this offseason, they gave Hendrickson a 60 million dollar deal. Hubbard, a $40 million extension. Larry Ogunjobi's making like 60, or excuse me, DJ Reader's making like $16 million a year. And then they're paying Larry Ogunjobi starter level money as well. So that's where they put their resources. And that's how they kind of built themselves to build teams. You know what I mean? So I guess that's what they hope the Steelers are thinking. So how concerned are you about TJ Watt? He didn't play the last time he played. <clears throat> it looked dominant, but number 99 did not was not in that lineup. So how do you think it's going to, be different. Do you think it's going to be? I know it's not going to be as easy, but do you think you still as confident that, that they could replicate what they did in week three? All right. So, I mean, look at the Bengals' losses this season. The Bears, Khalil Mack, and Roquan Smith played outstanding. Um, the Browns, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney were great. The Jets, Quinn and Williams had a great game. And I'm uh, missing one game. And the Packers was a different story. That was just a weird game with missed kicks. But that's three of the Bengals' four losses dominated by all pro caliber defensive linemen. Steelers have one of those in TJ Watt and they have other great defensive linemen like Cam Hayward, Haysmith, like they have those dudes. Um, I'll be interested what scheme they go with. Uh, but, but overall, those are the kind of guys who have foiled the Bengals offense this season because of how quickly they can create plays in the, in the backfield, in the pocket. And that is a concern. And that's the Bengals are specifically scheming for uh, because it's a problem. Nothing else, guys. I got nothing else. Oh, I, I, I just want to know, Troy, uh, throughout the Steelers, the history of the Steelers-Bengals rivalry, um, do, do you have a favorite memory? Um, Man, so many. I'll just run through really, really quick. I'll run through them. I mean, you know, five, the playoff game clearly stands out. Um, I remember I was at that game. I remember, wow, they, they connected that deep ball to Chris Henry and then looking back with a gasp at Carson Palmer. I remember – that 2015 game where Sean Williams had that sideline pick at Heinz Field, it was a rare Bengals win on the road. That felt like a huge milestone for them at the time. Obviously, it ended up not being the case because that ended up unraveling in that playoff game against the Steelers. 
I remember the zero blitz game is what we call it in Cincinnati, where it was 2017, I want to say. Bengals have a solid start. Then on like third and five on the Steelers side of the field in the fourth quarter, the Bengals go with an all-out blitz. Yeah, Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown, touchdown ball game. That defensive coordinator who called that play ends up getting fired. And then a game people forget about, 2019, the Monday night football game. That was really the, the end for Andy Dalton. It was like 27 to three. He looked awful on Monday Night Football against the Steelers. And that was, in my mind, the moment where, where it was kind of over for Andy Dalton as well. So all these big moments for the Bengals, the Steelers are kind of there. And that's what makes the rivalry so important in Cincinnati. Uh, matter of fact, I got one question because you th- brought up that 05 playoff game. I know uh, Chris loves talking about Because <laughs> what if that didn't happen? I know big, I know Bengals fans, and I've talked to a few over the years, wondered, do, what do you think would have happened had Kimo Von Olhoffen not rolled into his leg, what do you think would have happened? That Bengals team was really good. They had an outstanding offensive line with potential two Hall of Famers. The wide receivers were Johnson, Hushmanzada, Chris Henry. Those guys could play. Their defense had all these playmakers that people care about. Odell Thurman. I mean, that's just one name that comes to mind. Oh, yeah. You're just breaking up. I'm blanking out on the rest of the depth chart right now. But no, don't go, Neil. Yeah, exactly. Like those defenses had some some playmakers legitimately. Like that was an era of NFL defense right there. That was a team that was ready to win. That was probably the Bengals' best team in the last 20 years. And so, I mean, you're right to ask what if. That, that could have changed everything. I'm surprised you didn't say, uh, remember the uh, moment from TJ Hushmanzada in the tunnel of Heinz Field after the end of that game that effectively clinched them the division. He wiped his feet with the yeah, terrible exactly. towel. One, one uh, more Steelers game people sleep on. 06, I think. Week 17, Bengals are this close to making the playoffs. Shane Graham doinks a kit way off the left. Bengals miss the playoffs. But as I mentioned, the Steelers are always there for these and Bengals. You know, because that was the game that San Antonio had to walk off, right? Yeah. That sounds right. That, sounds yeah, right. that was the game that effectively went from the Steelers could have got Patrick Willis if they want, if the Bengals win that game, the Steelers have Patrick Willis. They lose that game, they get Lawrence Timmons. I, I mean, it's still a win-win, but man, Patrick Willis in a Steelers uniform would have been would insane. Have been so, been thanks, Shane Graham. Big, big <laughs> thanks, Shane. We I mean, it still worked out because the Bengals rookie kicker Evan McPherson, he's like legitimately a great kicker right now. And Shane Graham taught McPherson everything he knows, so he could be the next Justin Tucker in the division. And everything he learned, he learned from Shane Graham. All right. And that's Charlie Goldsmith of the Cincinnati Inquirer. He covers the Bengals for it. Charlie, thanks again for talking with us. Great talking with you guys. Talk to you soon. Charlie said the final score for him is 24-14 Bengals. So what is your guys' predictions? I guess I'll start first. I'm going to say that the Steelers' offense, uh, that game was an outlier. But it it got it has a lot of hope with it. I'm not saying they're going to get 30 points, but I'm going to say that this will be a surprisingly high scoring game for AFC North in late November. I'm going to say that the Steelers eke this one out because I said they they are going to at least split with the Bengals 27 to 24. Who? All right. <laughs> I I didn't have the I didn't have the guts to pick the Bengals last time, even though I really wanted to. I pumped out. You got the guts now. Yes, yes, I do. 
I could be wrong, but I'm picking the Bengals. The reason is I think they're the more they're the more they're the more talented team. They're at home. I'm just concerned. It's like I said, it's late November. AFC North. Are they ready for the stage? See, if it was like something like 2022, they had a playoff run or two in them, no doubt. But I think it'll come down to uh, uh, what Charlie said, uh, Mr. McPherson. Field goal. 20, 24-21, Bengals close. I'm not feeling too good about it. But I'm a I'm going I'm rolling with them. Yeah, I say 27-24 with a Boswell uh, field goal as time expires. So, so there we go. I guess we're both thinking kicker. Yeah, uh, like uh, like I mentioned during the part, like my biggest concern is that Steelers' offensive line against their their pass rush and um and stopping the run and plus the because the Steelers have been abysmal lately stopping the run and then that. Burrow Chase connection. I think giving Fitzpatrick back there at free safety will help. But um, I, I went back and forth with the game because the Steelers they did they played tough against the Chargers. But uh, I think some of like their their offense they did have like three short fields when they sc- scored those points there late in the game. Two of them came on touchdowns, and then the last one was that field goal. But um, I, I'll say that, I, man, I'm to I, th- I think I'm gonna go with the Bengals. Brandon here, I'm thinking I, I just. I'm 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 worried about that defensive line against the Steelers uh, offensive line. It's just looked really bad lately. So I, I would say uh, 30 to 24 Bengals. All right. My key player for the Steelers um, Sunday will be well, – I'm going to roll with Najee Harris. Najee Harris and TJ Watt will make a difference because he didn't play the last time, so I think he'll be better – the Steelers will be – make a better matchup for him, but I don't think it's going to be enough. Unless, I, but I can, it will not be the end realm of possibility Ben pulls something out. Because he does that against the bank. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that were happening. This is like a, like a give a toss-up game for me. Like, I I really don't know who's going to win this one. I mean, I'm just having courage in my convictions because I said the Steelers are going to sweep the Bengals, that, uh, not sweep the Bengals, are uh, going to Split with the Bengals, rather, uh, and and that's the only reason I'm choosing Steelers over the Bengals. But I, I do believe that if that Steelers win happens, it's because they have a Hall of Fame quarterback that's been in this situation before and they proved it against the Bears. So that's why I believe that I think that Ben is actually going to have in what could potentially be his last game in the state of Ohio. He does it again one more time. He's playing next year. <laughs> He's playing yeah. next year. I guarantee it. That's a good point. It could be the final one. It could be the final one. I don't see it. Yeah. If, I'll put it to you like this. If he loses, it, it's not the final one for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. How about that? Yeah, they, they just got to stop. They got they got to stop their run game, man, because Mixon, he's he's so underrated as a, as a runner. Uh, I think that, that that's going to be a huge key in the game. Yeah, they so, uh, we're we're rolling. We're, we're actually like about to end this podcast with about 36 minutes of work, which is great work as always. But I guess great. I'll keep it running a little bit, uh, a little bit more, guys. Well, we had we asked um, Charlie, what's our biggest concern for the Bengals? And I'm going to say again, you guys are probably going to agree with me. It's going to be a defensive line. 
No yeah. question. Oh yeah. There. I mean, last year, last year the Bengals defensive line in Cincinnati with uh, with uh, who who was it? I can't remember his name. The Carl Lawson. Yeah, Carl Lawson, who's Caesar right now. But Lawson did a pretty good job, and and that was with like effectively maybe like one or two guys to look out for on the Bengals defensive line. Now they have four guys that could go out there and make some headway. So that's going to be a big worry, especially seeing uh, Joey Bosa just absolutely destroy them inside in that game. It's, so don't don't be surprised that teams take a look at that and try to move in move in those defensive ends at defensive tackle uh, unless unless uh, Dotson is coming back and we haven't really talked about that as well. The it oh, seems like the are going to be hit. Dotson's on IR. Yeah, yeah it'll probably wow. It'll probably be. Uh, I don't think Hausenhauer's been practicing, so it might be Joe Joe Hag again. That that's really concerning. <laughs> but you think, uh, that that's because man Hendrickson for them. They have good guys in the defensive tackle for the Bengals, and then Sam Hubbard's been really good for them. So, wow! And, and they didn't run the ball well against the, like the few attempts that they did have. They didn't run the ball well last week. Yeah, the definition of insanity is the Steelers deciding let's run the ball this time. I guess a better run defense as opposed to the last two run defenses they faced off against. It. And not really using Harris to the effectiveness that at least we believe that he could have against some of these low level run defenses in this league. He needs 25, 25 uh, touches, 25, bare minimum. You say 20, 25 carries. I, I, 25 say, carries. Yeah. I, I say 32, 32 touches overall. He's going he's gonna to be in the passing game. There's oh, no yeah, question 32. about that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that magic number. Ben cannot throw the ball 40. Well, how many times did he throw the ball last time against the Bengals? It was a lot. Yeah, he was even up there. Yeah. Remember, uh, Chris, that was the game after, you know what happened after that game, the last time they played. Yeah, yeah, that game was was brutal. I I got my butt kicked on Twitter on that one. (laughs) I called for him to retire. Yeah. <laughs> they just they kept on checking down the ball to Harris in that game. Uh, I they, mean that's 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 what a four three four two five defense, at least with what we plan to see from the Bengals, do. They force checkdowns. I mean, do, do you want do you want to be throwing into the into double coverage with some of these defensive backs uh, on the Bengals? They have a really good safety pair, so. Yeah. You you, you can understand why they had this checkdown. Yeah, he's one of the best. I don't know why they haven't paid him yet, but no, it's a good thing because maybe he can get out of the vision. You know what? I think they're they're going to pay him. Wind up paying him because the right now they're doing things right over there. They're actually doing things right over there. Yeah, when the Bengals do right, you feel like it's going to do it's going to do something eventually. Yeah, that's the that's the one thing. It's like the Bengals and Ravens, the Browns. It's a lot of prove it when it comes down to it, and we'll right. talk more about that in the future. Oh yeah, but guys, thanks for coming on for this early morning edition of the Renegade Blitz podcast. We uh, live streamed it on Twitter, and um, I don't know what's up right now with Streamyard. It's saying that uh, 
you can't post comments on Twitter right now. So we know that there is a bunch of people watching right now who want to comment. And for some reason, it's not working. And for that, we do apologize. We'll try to see if we can get that fixed for the next time we're out there. But so we'll talk about the, this game afterwards on Monday, Steelers Bengals. And this one's going to be on CBS, right, guys? Yes, it should be. Yes. One o'clock. Yeah. 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 Well, 1 p.m. CBS. So we'll, we'll talk more about this game. Hopefully we'll see yep, another Steelers win. If not, <laughs> if not, I guess these guys are going to be right and I'm going to be wrong. And, that's all right. But nonetheless, thank you for tuning in to, to the Renegade Blitz. Be sure to follow us at our Blitz Pod and also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, largely wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us five stars. Leave a comment. We'll read it on air. And of course, always have questions for us in the, in the uh, tweets, YouTube videos, wherever you want to. And again, thank you for tuning in. For Chris Ward and Brandon Walker, I'm Ty Pope. Goodbye until later. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, at our Blitz Pod, and at Blitz Videos. Read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. The Renegade Blitz podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you can listen to podcasts.